Well, good morning. It's good to be with you all uh, once again. And, you know, I don't know, I almost started tearing up just sitting there to, to see this feast before us, to, to gather in the fellowship, to center around the Word of God. So it is a delight to be with you here this morning. And, in fact, I think it's fitting this morning. Uh, you know, I called Chuck earlier this week and thinking about what should we preach on, should we continue in James uh, but this morning, I want to talk about the gift of the church. It's a fitting Sunday to do so because we are gathered here once again, uh, however few, but it's the beautiful gathering of God's people again. So we'll be looking at Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 42 through 47 uh, as we dive in this morning. But first, uh, baseball is one of America's pastimes. I don't know how many baseball fans are out there, but I am a die-hard Cardinals fan. And to gather with a few friends and head off to Bush Stadium, what a delight, what great fun, and a place to create memories. But I'm a spectator there. I'm not the one playing the game. For all of us in here, baseball, as any of your favorite sports might be, they're all spectator sports right? We're not in the game playing. And I'm sure, like me, you often desire to be playing the game. How cool would it be to be out there? But honestly, passive enjoyment at times is easier because then it's on our own terms. Uh, And largely, this is what I think the church has felt like for the past two and a half months. We've, we've watched it from a TV, we're kind of a spectator in a sense, uh, maybe we've drank tea in our pajamas, or maybe we decided, hey, yard work is more important than watching church on TV. Uh, it's kind of, in a sense, maybe become a spectator sport for you. And so as we look at this passage this morning, I, I hope and pray that the Spirit uh, reignites our desire for gathered worship. Because even in our culture, I think it's easy to view church as a spectator sport. And here at Christ the King, you know, maybe it's Chuck as the pitchers, you got the elders covering the bases, and the staff, hey, they got the outfield covered. You know what? I'm just going to enjoy from my nosebleed seats and watch them uh, play the game. But I'm, I'm here to remind you this morning that church is no mere game for us to just play or watch. Our understanding of church may have morphed during this COVID era, but its foundation and its purpose still rests on Jesus Christ alone. Our church muscles may have atrophied over the past couple of months. Well, it's time to begin exercising those muscles again. So I'm going to cover the church this morning. I certainly can't do that in one sermon. It's much larger than what we have time for. Uh, But I want to examine and refresh ourselves again on the gift of the church uh, to us by God. So let's examine here one of the earliest church summaries that we find uh, in the New Testament here in Acts 2.42. So let me read this. So hear God's word. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as 
any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. All right, let's pray briefly as we jump in. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, that we today can be gathered, uh, however few here, to be gathered in worship to bring you glory and honor, but also uh, to feast upon your word. And so I pray that as we examine this short passage in Acts, Lord, uh, your gift of the church to us, may your spirit illuminate our hearts, Lord, and may, may we walk in the ways in which you've commanded us. So be with us and illuminate your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're here uh, early in the book of Acts, and Acts largely is uh, kind of a, a history or a storybook of the church and its development. Uh, after the ascension of Jesus, uh, the Spirit then went to work. Uh, the Spirit's building the church, and it exploded. It moved from its center out into the world. Uh, in these short verses, Acts chapter 2, Peter is giving uh, a sermon, and these short verses uh, talk about what's happening when Christians, when disciples gather together. And all of this shows that Peter, after his sermon, uh, they're pointing to Jesus as the Lord and Deliverer, uh, and the proper response was to repent and be received into the church. And then this passage is what the church does. Pray, break bread. Uh, But reception into the church also meant obligations. We don't just say, hey, I'm in, and then watch it as a spectator from the sidelines. We are to fully participate in the church. Uh, But our view of the church, uh, like those early believers, I think is shaped by our culture, especially here in America, Uh, And sometimes we have a skewed view of what the church is, what gathered worship is. And so this passage, as we go through it this morning, uh, will help recenter us to a biblical understanding of what the church is. Uh, And so the temptation for us uh, to go to church sometimes may be a temptation they had to go to church for passive enjoyment, uh, to make it a spectator sport. I think we're all guilty at times. Even if we come here in person, we can still just say, I'll take a nugget or two from the word, go home, go about my business. Uh, Sometimes we don't fit it into our busy schedules, you know, or uh, maybe we'll church shop or hop till one makes us cozy. You see, all of these things are the wrong understanding of what church is. So what is really the point of church? I think the primary aim of worship is to bring glory to God. So when we come together on a Sunday morning, our primary aim is to bring glory to God. And we who are rescued by Jesus are called to fully participate in church, in gathered worship. You know, Chuck doesn't sit here and force you to come and say, hey, I'll chase you down with a stick if you don't get, get yourselves in church. I mean, maybe he does on the side, but... Uh, (laughs) but God does require our participation in church. Uh, We see that in this text. 
Uh, And he does so because he knows what church does for us, what gathered worship does for us. And so our participation, and it helps us to regularly exercise and confirm our faith. And so I just want to look briefly at three things uh, this passage shows uh, that the church is for. The church is for feasting, the church is for fellowship, and the church moves forward. So let's, let's examine those briefly. Uh, so the church is for feasting. Uh, spread before here is the ultimate feast uh, that we have. Uh, and this idea of feasting is to eat and drink sumptuously. Not just take a few nibbles, but a full and abundant meal. And what are we to feed upon? Well, verse 42 shows that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. You see, God designed the church to nourish his children. Uh, And one way in which we're fed is through the preaching of God's word. And so we are to feast upon God's word when we come together. When scripture goes forth in preaching, the Holy Spirit somehow then works it within our bones and within our cells and nourishes our souls. We enjoy and delight and feast. And and when we do that with the word preached, we feast upon grace. We feast upon the very words that God has given us. And we're to delight in that. And the second part of feasting, uh, when we come together, we feast upon our Lord through the Lord's Supper. Uh, It's a tangible representation uh, that we know that Jesus himself, by his Spirit, is nourishing us uh, spiritually. And so we feast upon the supper that the Lord has given to us. And and though the bread and, and the grape juice or wine that we partake are just simple elements, there's something much deeper going on in the midst of that. Uh, The elements, bread and wine, nourish our bodies, but the Spirit nourishes our souls uh, through the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And still, this is great to feast upon, but it's only the appetizer to the full feast that Jesus will one day host with all of his people. So every Thanksgiving, uh, Katie's uh, family goes over to Grandma Myers, uh, Grandparents Meyer, to enjoy a Thanksgiving meal. And uh, it's, it's a big deal, okay? It's, we're, we're not talking just a few sweet potatoes. Uh, she pulls out all the stops, the finest china, uh, the, the candles, the colors, everything is pulled out. There is nothing left undone. Uh, The table is set for feasting. There's a copious amount of food. There's enough probably for all of St. Louis to eat. But uh, the staples are present. You have your your turkey, mashed potatoes, homemade rolls, green beans, stuffing, and sweet potatoes. And then there's dessert. Pies galore. Lemon meringue, chocolate pie, pumpkin pie, and my favorite, thank you, Grandma Meyer, carrot cake. So, all of this stuff is set before us. Now, is your mouth watering yet? I know it's only June. uh, But in this first round, when people go up to eat this meal, only 25%, if that's taken. There is so much food that's so abundant. It's a feast for everyone gathered there. 
You see, the Word made flesh, Jesus, and the Lord's Supper, and the Word that we have is a feast of cosmic proportions. God pulled out all the stops for us to feast. He held nothing back. The Lord's Supper proves that is the case. The word, the spoken word and communion isn't junk food. It's nourishing. It's completely healthy for us. It's tasty delicacies for our souls. The word is a deep well, and the supper plate before us never empties. The feast is always before us. It will never run out. But it's not, it wasn't easy to come by. Someone had to pay a price. But I think part of our problem is that we do want to feast on junk food at times. Uh, Maybe it's uh, entertainment or a busy schedule, uh, laziness, or you know what? On a Sunday morning, I think I just need to catch some extra Z's. We want to feast on something other than gathered worship because we find it more important. Now, I'm not, not up here trying to guilt trip you, but I'm just trying to point you to the real feast and where it's at. It's in gathered worship, God's Word and the Lord's Supper. And even though at times it may not feel nourishing, I'm asking you to, that what you know is true, that these do nourish us. Let those lead your emotions here. You see, gathering to feast on Scripture and uh, prayer and communion is for you. It's a gift to you. And if we discount this feast then we're left homeless and scrounging for food for crumbs that won't satisfy. So commit to coming to feast on Sundays on God's Word and in the Lord's Supper. And let's look at the second idea now, uh, that the church is for fellowship. Uh, So Christ's love binds us together, and I hope that those of you who are in here this morning feel that, being in the presence of of brothers and sisters in Christ. Look at verse 46 here. It says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. So there's two aspects here to this first. The first is that the Spirit cements the bonds of fellowship among the believers, the fellowship that we share. It's not only a place to feast the church, But it's also a place to share fellowship, to share joy, to share burdens, uh, to share goods, sadness, but also encouragement. See, we share these things in fellowship with one another. And And in Christ, we are brothers and sisters. We are one family here, a family fellowship. You know, one aspect I love about the Hispanic culture is their emphasis and their prizing of family. The Hispanic culture does that well. And I think it captures in a beautiful way some of this idea of fellowship, of family, these bonds that connect us. The bad days, the difficult trials, the birth or the death of someone in the family. You see, whenever we fellowship well, it cultivates glad and generous hearts within our household, within the church. And the other aspect is that the church is also a place where we fellowship with God. Uh, It's a place where we commune with him. And that's where it says in that verse, attending the temple together. 
God is the family head, a living father who delights in the conversation in prayer with his people. We looked at that last week. And God converses with us through his word. You see, at Grandma's Thanksgiving, family fellowship enhances this idea of the feast. If, if, if it was just food alone, it would be good, but fellowship enhances the delight that you have in a meal. Uh, for years, and still when she's able, Katie uh, made dinner rolls uh, and helped with the preparation of Thanksgiving, uh, laughing, telling jokes, enjoying the warmth of fellowship with family. You see, we enjoy the warmth of fellowship around the feast. Table conversations that bring deep laughter and joy. We reminisce, tell stories uh, of good things, of hard things. We're sharing all of these things with one another because we're in fellowship with one another. Uh, you know, and that might even have been Katie's boo-boos or, or whatever it may be uh, when she was young. But all of this creates a fondness for one another. You see, this combination of feast and fellowship centers on, on what life really matters, and that's relationship. Vertically with God and horizontally with one another. The delicacies feed our bodies. The fellowship feeds our souls. And if we do not participate uh, in Thanksgiving uh, meal with the grandparents Meyer, we miss more than turkey and a few good jokes. In a similar way, the church is family. We are called to participate in these family gatherings that we have every week. You have a role in this story. You have a gift to share with this family. Each of us needs to participate in this collective family story. Uh, Maybe making dinner rolls, being uh, hospitable to your neighbor, inviting them in uh, for a meal. Uh, encouraging one another during the hard seasons, praying for one another. You see, we share all these things in common because we fellowship together in one spirit. You see, when you fail to participate, the family feels the weight of your absence. It's not like you can go and, ah, that family member didn't matter. No, we feel the weight of your absence. So this morning, I'm asking, will you renew your commitment to this family? Will you renew your commitment to this family? Because if we neglect to gather together, you know, if, if you just want to continue to watch from your home, the bonds of love begin to fracture. Uh, and estrangement from our family can begin to settle in. And to be honest, when we neglect uh, coming together and participating, we're actually uh, selfish and self-centered when we do that. Let me explain. Uh, It's selfish because you believe that whatever you have going on, that whatever you have to do is more important than bringing glory to God and more important than fellowshipping with your family. It's self-centered because... What you have to do, uh, you fail to acknowledge that we need one another. We do need one another in fellowship. And I need fellowship with each one of you. When we choose sleep or a day off or to golf over gathered worship, 
we cut against the grain of this fellowship that God has given us. And so I challenge you to renew your commitment to gathered worship. And then finally, this idea, the church moves forward. We feast and we fellowship, but we're also always moving forward. What do I mean here? Well, the church is to move forward from this place. We're not to stay within these four walls. We're to go out into the world, invite people to this feast, invite people to this fellowship. We can't be fine uh, just having a country club here. We're not static, but we're dynamic. We're not at rest. We're always moving forward. We can't be content with just who is inside these walls. Verse 47 shows the mechanism for this moving forward. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So I want to highlight two things here. First, Jesus' church moves forward by God's own hand. It says, and the Lord added to their number. Guess what? The Lord's always at work. He's always bringing in the harvest. We have to be faithful to participate in that work. You see, we're to go from here into the El Paso, Fort Bliss community and bring people in. Invite them to this feast. Invite them to this fellowship. Because God's desire is to bring people from every race, every ethnicity, socioeconomic level, and every nation into this family. There's no distinctions because we're all one in Christ Jesus. And here's the kicker. The Lord will bear fruit. It's not a question of if that will happen. The Lord will add to his church. But you have to answer the question, will you be faithful to that call? And the second idea here is that we are on mission through all of life worship. We do come and gather together to feast and fellowship, but our entire lives, every day, what we do is to be worship to God. What do I mean here? Uh, I mean when you delight in honoring your parents, or when you show kindness at the grocery store, or when you're at the gas station fueling your vehicle and you're thanking God that there's fuel to put in your vehicle, you're worshiping God. And guess what? That is beautiful. It's attractive to those outside these walls. It moves the church into the world. And that is what we are called to do as a family, to invite people to this feast and this fellowship. You see, we fail at church if we believe it's only for feasting and for fellowship. If we don't believe the church moves forward, then we fail. It's not an exclusive country club. It belongs to the Lord. And I know that Grandma Meyer's Thanksgiving meal is no country club either. In fact, not only did we have that, that great feast and the great fellowship, but sometimes I'd show up and there'd be complete strangers. They're like, oh, who are you? Welcome to the club, you know? Uh, because Grandma Meyer said, I don't care who comes. You have a friend at work who, who doesn't have a family to go. Bring them. More than enough food. Again, I said, hardly any food is eaten in the first round. But you bring friends from work or, or whatever. In fact, sometimes I feel like she told us to post the, the Thanksgiving invitation on our foreheads. Put it on your mailbox. In fact, I'm going to uh, 
put it in the paper as well, just so people know that they have a place to come. You see, countless friends and even strangers at times came to this meal. Uh, their cleanliness, what, what they wore, their status, their, their need, uh, their distance, or their relation to us didn't matter. It did not matter. The invitation was open. And, in fact, it's probably open this year as well. So if any of you all want to join, uh, feel free to do so. But to all who desire, they could find refuge and safety in this day, in this fellowship and feast of thanksgiving. Yes, the time centered around uh, the feast and the fellowship, uh, but all were welcome. No membership was required at Grandparents Myers' Thanksgiving meal. And as God's family, as members of God's family, we're also to post this invitation, uh, in a sense, on our forehead, on our mailbox, on our car, in the paper. Because we invite everyone to come join. We do not own this church. God owns this church. And he's opened the invitation for this feasting and this fellowship and to move forward. And we need to see that this invitation goes out. When we feast in fellowship as a church, it represents a place of refuge and safety for those outside these walls. That they can find refuge and safety here because Jesus rules us and he protects us. We are to participate in gathering our friends, gathering our strangers to come join this party because it is a party every Sunday. There's too much food and too much fellowship just for us to enjoy. It's flowing outside of these walls. And I think if you look at our current day and hour, COVID-19, economic uh, disparity and ruin, turmoil, and civil unrest, what a beautiful hour to send out that invitation. Bring people into God's household. Because there's no racial, there's no ethnic, uh, socioeconomic, or national distinctions. All people are invited to join this feasting fellowship. All people. You know, Revelation 7 captures the beauty of this diversity in God's household. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Here's this beautiful image of the diversity of God's household, worshiping together the Lamb of God. You see, Jesus is the host of this meal. He's the host of this house and the host of our fellowship here. And when this family is not moving forward into the world, we fail. And so when we gather for feasting and fellowship and moving forward, it brings glory to God. Each of us is a participant in this grand drama of redemption. Your faithful participation actually matters. So I want to leave you this morning with the words of our host this morning, Jesus Christ. Some of his words in Matthew. Then Jesus said to his servants, 
The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite the, to the wedding feast as many as you can find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. Will you renew your commitment to gathered worship? Let's pray. Father God, uh, we're humbled to be in your presence this morning. Uh, We thank you that you have gifted the church to us uh, as a place to feast upon your word, uh, to feast upon the Lamb, Lord, and to receive uh, the warmth of fellowship. So we thank you and praise you for this, Father, and I pray that you would uh, renew by your spirit a commitment to this gathered worship this morning, Father, that we would take this message and post it on our foreheads and invite all those on the main roads to this feast. Father, as we celebrate this first gathering again of coming together after such a long, isolating season, Lord, quicken our hearts to be present in gathered worship and to love it, to bring glory to you. Lord, lead us by your Spirit and guide us in all things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.